Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. This podcast is for everyone who wants to learn about commercial property investing and join our real estate family. We get the best people in the industry to give you straightforward and practical advice that you can actually use in your investing. And in today's episode, we are going to be covering the top three tips for raising money today, how you should approach raising capital, what is the lifetime value of your investors, and should you get investment commitments before getting a deal, or should you get a deal and then get the investors to commit? We are chatting with Dave Dubow. He has been investing in real estate since 2003 and is the creator of the Money Partner Formula and he will be sharing his experience with us today. Here we go. Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited to hear about your experience teaching people about syndications and raising money. And I'll use myself as an example, since I have not done a syndication yet, and I'm sure some of our listeners can definitely benefit from this. Let's say we're ready to do a first raise. I have a list, I have relationships, People know what I have been doing. What is the first thing that I should do? Well, good question, Stefan. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, well, first of all, just to back up a second, you're already setting the stage that's way beyond where most people are. <laughs> most people, when they start raising capital, are a best kept secret. Like a lot of the people that they hang around with don't know that they're actively investing in real estate or don't really know what they're up to. So my whole philosophy is, because I believe your question was, you know, what's, what's the first step? The first step is to, in my, in my opinion, is to create a target group of prospective investors that you're going to really, really focus in on. Now, a quick time out here, Steph, you're talking about syndications. Most of the clients that we work with are what I call mom and pop real estate investors who are just getting started with raising capital. They haven't done any before. They want to raise their first 500,000, maybe up to a million, 1.5 million, that kind of thing. If you're looking to raise tens of millions of dollars the day after tomorrow, this is going to be pretty basic for you. But if you're looking to get started with raising capital, this is the best way I know of. So uh, with that in mind, we want to focus on the highest likelihood of success, right? So if you don't have a track record with raising capital yet, Quite frankly, who is going to invest with you, right? Because a big mistake I see a lot of people making is they go out to the general public, anybody with a pulse and a checkbook, they think could be a good prospective investor. Mm -hmm. And that's a big mistake. Number one, for logic, right? For somebody to start investing with you, they need to know you, they need to like you, they need to trust you with their money, right? If you're mm -hmm. going out to strangers, they don't know you, they don't like you, they certainly do not trust you with their money. So that's a very, very difficult hurdle to overcome off the get-go. The second challenge is this uh, little organization called the Securities and Exchange Commission. Now, I'm Canadian. I'm up, I'm up here in Canada. We've got our own version of that. It's basically the same idea, and they're just as nasty. <laughs> and basically, they say it's, it's illegal for us as mom-and-pop investors to go out and raise capital from the general public unless we're either licensed to do so, or we've got 
exemptions. We've got an offering memorandum. We've got our corporate structure all set up in a certain way, which tend to be tends to be quite expensive, especially if you're just getting started. Does that make sense, Stephanie? Yep. So we want to start with people that we have a pre-existing relationship with because we are allowed to work with close uh, friends, family members, and business associates if we do it properly. Does that make sense? So let's, let's create a target group, I'd say of between 150 and 200 of these people. And then let's focus all of our initial energies on communicating with them. And then let's break the ice with them Let's reconnect with them on a personal level first before we start talking business, before we start talking real estate. We do a very simple three-step warm-up campaign or break the ice campaign. First couple of messages, we send these out automated via email. It's kind of like, hey, it's Dave. Chances are it's been a while since we've been in, in contact. Just thought I'd reach out, see how you're doing, catch up a little bit. Here's what I've been up to, you know do a brief overview of what you've been up to for the last three, four, five years. And then at the end of it, here's the key. Enough about me. How about you? How are you doing? Please hit reply to this email. I'd love to reconnect and find out how you're doing. You send that out to all 200 people. And then your job, Steph, is to answer emails. Now, don't mm -hmm. worry. Not all 200 people are going to get back to you. If you're, yeah. if you're doing it right, you probably have somewhere between 15 and 25 people actually responding back to you. But there's capital in those reconnections. So make sure you have a little bit of back and forth, even if it's just by email or instant messenger or text or whatever. Go back and forth a little bit with these folks. And this is going to help set the stage for actually starting to proactively market and raise capital. A question that comes to mind based on that is when we get to that conversation, should people ask how much they would be interested in investing prior to getting a property in contract uh, or only the chicken, after? The chicken and the egg question, which comes <laughs> first? Should I have a deal in hand and then go looking for yeah. the money or should I have the money in hand and then go looking for the deal? My personal opinion is let's get some soft commitments from prospective investors first Let's get our investor ducks in a row, so to speak, and then let's go looking for properties. Because I tell you what, this has been my personal experience. Anyhow, yeah. when you've got a deal on the go, yes, that's a good motivator, but the challenge is you're desperate, right? You need <laughs> the cash for this deal. And that desperation, whether you want it to or not, it's going to kind of ooze out of every pore in your body. Right? For sure. So you don't want to be that creepy person that's freaking everybody out and, you know, just kind of seems needy. So I, I far prefer to have these capital conversations first, get people to, you know, even sign off on an expression of interest. That's very, very powerful. It's not a legally binding document. It just says something like, hey, I, Dave Dubow, am ready, willing, and able to invest a sum of up to whatever, $100,000 with Steph in one of our upcoming real estate deals anytime within the next six months. All right, sign yep. off on that, uh, put the date on it. And then that way, still not a guarantee, but that person is much more likely to invest with you when you've got a deal than if they just said, yeah, Steph, I'm interested. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so that's my philosophy. You talk about the lifetime value of an investor. Can you please elaborate on that? what that means? Because a lot of people don't think about that. And it's very, very important to know. Yeah, well, let's take a look, if you don't mind, Steph, can we use you as, as an example? Sure. 
All right. So let's pretend we're looking at one of your self-storage facilities or one of your uh, car washes or, or something like that. Which which one? Just, just pick one, not a whole portfolio. Let's say you just bought one property. Let's what would be a, a good example? Okay. So what was the price point on the self-storage facility that you purchased? Just rough numbers. Let's say a million and a half. 1.5 million. And how much would you require for a down payment? How much capital would you require to purchase that property if you're getting some financing on it? Uh, let's say 25%. Okay. So help me with the math there. So, so that would be, let's move 500K. Let's say 500. $500,000. All right. So let's say your minimum investment was $100,000. So that means you would need five $100,000 chunks. And chances are, you know, you're going to have some investors that'll put up $100,000. You might have one investor who puts up $200,000, a bit more, something like that. So probably you're going to need about three investors, give or take, for that kind of a deal. Three, maybe four investors. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So the question then becomes, okay, how much is that investor worth to you over the lifetime of your working relationship? So chances are, if I come into that deal with $150,000, and that gets me, let's say, for easy numbers, uh, a, a quarter of the investor pool in that, right? Then the question would be, how much is that asset going to be worth to Stephanie over the length of time that you're going to hold it? So how, how long do you anticipate holding that property, Steph? Forever. Forever. Good. So let's use a 10-year time frame just to have a bookend. Does that sound good? Mm -hmm. So what's your best guess? We're buying it for 1.5 million. You do all your magic over 10 years. And I, I know this is it's very tough to do this like this. Over 10 years, what do you think the total gross profit on that property is going to be? Like the, the increased value in the property, the cash flow over that time, the mortgage pay down, all of this kind of stuff. And again, I'm not going to hold you to this, but what's your best guess on what that's going to be over 10 years? I would say it, if we can look at the cash on cash, 20%, let's just give that round number to the investor. 20 well, let's, just, just, let's just say gross between you and the investors. What's the gross profit going to be? I, I don't know. I need to sit down and do some calculations. <laughs> Sorry. You All can right. use well, whatever let's... number you wish. <laughs> yeah. Well, would 2 million be out of the question? No. No, that, that'd probably be conservative, would you say? Yeah. Okay, now you're doing all the work, they're bringing in the capital. So let's say they get half and you get half. Would that mm -hmm. be fair? Yeah. So that means that deal's worth $1 million to Stephanie over that 10 year time frame. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a million dollars, then you're gonna divide that by that number of investors, right? Mm -hmm. so a million divided by five, if I'm not mistaken, that's $200,000. That's what that investor is worth to you for that deal. Now, the question would be, are they only going to invest with one deal with you? Or do you think they might invest with two right. or three or four? What would be your best guess conservatively on how many times that same investor might either reinvest or recycle their money with you? They'll keep coming back. So let's yeah. say 10 years. 10 years, but so could we say just- I mean, 10 deals, let's say. Okay. okay, let's be super conservative. Let's say four deals. Okay. That'd be all right? Yes. Okay. So if the average profit they're worth to you is $200,000 and now they do four deals, now what does that look like? 
$1,000, right? Now, let's say they're happy with the investments they're doing with you. Do you they think you might people. Be able to get a referral yep. from that investor? Yeah. All right. So if they by themselves are worth $800,000, do you think you might get one referral from them? Right. Yeah. And that person would be worth something similar? Yeah. No, that makes complete sense. So now Simple, we're looking at- easy math that everybody should be thinking about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this, this um, first kind of came to me. My number was no, nowhere near as sexy as yours is. When I had a, a business years ago, <clears throat> I heard about the lifetime value of a client from a guy named Jay Abraham. I crunched it for that business. Lifetime value of a client for me was $12,000. I thought, hey, that's great. Because knowing that number, I knew- yeah. Hey, here's what I'm willing, ready exactly. willing to do to get a new client on board. Right. Fast forward 15 years or whatever, I got into real estate investing. I was doing single family homes, uh, rent to own type deals. I crunched the number then, and my number was $120,000. And I looked at that yeah. and went, holy smokes, $12,000, $120,000, that's 10X, all right? That's why we're in the business of real estate. Now, you're in commercial real estate investing, your number's even higher now. The, the, the amount the investors have to put in might be a little higher as well. But you're looking at between 800,000 and 1.5 million, probably on, on the conservative side, per investor. So then the question becomes, Stephanie, how motivated are you to bring investors on board? <laughs> a lot more than I was five minutes ago. <laughs> Good stuff. So that's a, that's a big, broad overview of, of the lifetime worth of an investor. Very cool. Thank you. My pleasure. Let's move on to what are your top three tips for a syndicator raising money today? All right. Well, I'll just talk about a capital raiser getting started because again, syndication yep. usually involves much bigger numbers. So top three, three tips. Number one, we already talked about it. Focus on the low hanging fruit first, right? people that you have that pre-existing relationship with. I firmly believe there's at least one to $2 million worth of capital, if not more, within your current contacts. So let's start there. That just makes sense. Tip number two, we touched on this as well. When it comes to the chicken and the egg, don't wait until you've got a deal to start raising capital. Start raising capital now, right? Start raising capital right now. Tip number three is, be consistent about it. Another big mistake I see a lot of people making is they're hit and miss when it comes to raising capital. You got a deal on the go. They're like hamsters in the cage going like crazy. They either finance the deal or they don't get it. And then it's crickets until yep. the next deal comes along. So constant, consistent, edutaining communication. Because something very important we need to understand, Stephanie, you and I and your followers are what I lovingly refer to as real estate weirdos. Don't take offense. I'm one too, but you know what I'm talking about. When you talk to a non-real estate person about real estate and you're talking about cap rates and ROI and IRRs and all this cool stuff, their eyes glaze over because they're yeah. not into it, right? So we got to understand that most of our prospective investors are not real estate weirdos like us. Yep. They're normal human beings. So we need to simplify. We need to dumb it down. We need to make it reader's digest level yep. simple. Very, 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 very good points. And yeah. especially on the follow-up side, because I tell people all the time here, follow up, follow up, follow up. 
not only in this, but on purchasing properties, on hiring people and everything in between, getting bids, et cetera, et cetera. So, and, well, here's the good news. Most people suck at follow-up. I know. So if you're good at it, you stand out, right? You've, oh, you've already seen that, Stephanie. hundred yeah. percent, hands down. Now I want to switch hats just a little bit um, because you invest uh, passively as well. So putting that hat on as a passive investor, what should people look for on an operator that is brand new to them? Mm. They have no idea if they're good or bad. What should they look for as they analyze that potential deal and operator as well? Yeah, well, good question. So I actually don't work with people that I don't have a pre-existing relationship with. So I, I can't really answer that question. So people that, that, that I work with, I know personally and professionally. I know of their reputations. I check them out. I get references, all that kind of good stuff. And I've got people pitch me all the time on, on raising capital for them or, or investing in their deals. That's not how it's going to work. I've, I've got to know you first. Absolutely. 100% agree. This has been super helpful. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that our audience should know? If your folks are, are interested in this, they can get a complimentary copy of my book, Money Partner Formula, at the, at the website, which is conveniently called moneypartnerformula.com. Awesome. Dave, thank you so much for sharing some golden nuggets with us today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on your wonderful show, Steph. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at monicarlorei.com. And I would love to thank one of our latest reviewers, Babomb. Gems in every show. It is valuable to see how Steph asks her guests questions and thinks through different issues. Those questions and issues are often the same ones that I end up running into. It is inspirational to see her open her own doors in CRE. Seeing this has kept me going at several points when the situation called for a little thoughtfulness, tact, and good old-fashioned gumption. I look forward to new episodes because Steph invariably unpacks a gem. And gems, we unpack, Babomb. Thank you so much for making the time for writing such a thoughtful review. I really appreciate it. And I will see you next time.